Hello and welcome to another MyTunes podcast with me, Mark Tiley, right here on yourmanxradio.com. Mark Tiley, the nation's station, Manx Radio. This week on MyTunes, we're going down to the deep south. No, not Alabama, but more Port Erin, or Port St. Mary, if you like, because my guest has been the linchpin in the Deep South Festival for 10 years. Chris Carr, welcome to MyTunes. Thank you so much, Mark. Always a privilege to be here. Well, it's lovely to have you on. Yeah, is it 10 years? 10 years. Um, we originally started August 2013. Um, I think it clashed with the Leeds Festival the first year, so there was always a big concern about, was anybody going to come, actually come? But as it turned out, the gods shone down on us and... Um, Fingers crossed everyone turned up, and it was a lovely a lovely baptism for us. Well, it's been a brilliant 10 years. We'll talk loads about it and about the plans for this summer, but I want to go back, way back, uh, with a troglodyte. No, back in time, because you were born here, but raised elsewhere. That's correct. Um, my mum and dad, they came here from Ireland back in the mid-60s. They met each other, fell in love, got married, and had a child, and... Um, apparently the winter I was born 62 it was horrific the, the snow was covering all the doors and nobody could get into their homes anymore um, and the ambulances couldn't actually come to our house to pick me up I had to go up in a black Mariah the police escorted me up to the old Jane Cook Hall wow I well I a little bit older I that year that winter my dad took my little hand and took me walking on the River Thames because he said son the chances of this happening again is not much. So let's go and walk out on the Thames because it's frozen solid. Sure. And and we did. And it was cold. That yes. was a very, very cold winter. Yeah. So that was you being born. So that, that's the year. So um, we laugh now about if we get a few flicks of snow now and the Alamance Council for the day. But back in them days, it was proper winters, proper snow where you couldn't make out um, roads and fields and stuff like that, proper winter. So how long were you here before you moved back, well, moved into Coventry, wasn't it? Yes. Again, both my mum and dad, my dad was an engineer by background, but um, he was working as a porter at the Villiers. My mum was uh, a chambermaid, and um, it was just work. He'd got whispers of work. Coventry would start to boom, then Birmingham would start to boom, industry would start to get going. And uh, so we up sticks and moved off to Birmingham initially, and ended up in Coventry. Now, that music scene is going to be reflected in your choice a little later on in the week. Did you get involved in the music scene there or was it when you came back, back here? No, I couldn't spell music. If anybody listens to me, and many people have a giggle at me, but originally football was my bag. My own son, 40 years, I coached, managed. I was a half-decent footballer. Uh, and even when I go back now, Chris Carr should have made it, but I didn't. So I got really deeply into the coaching scene and scouting scene in Coventry, with my son subsequently being signed by Coventry and playing professional football. So for 40 years, seven days a week, football full on all around the Midlands. So when I moved to the Isle of Man in 2009, I went, okay, that's it. Put my boots away, put my shin pads away, no more football, my second love's music. What's involved with this? 
and, and that, the, and the rest was history. That's when it started. Well, we're going to get to uh, Coventry musically a little later in the week. Let's have your first choice and tell us about it. Okay, again, it's um, derived from my mum and dad. On a Sunday night, traditionally, being Irish, they'd go out late on a Sunday evening, perhaps nine o'clock, and I was the eldest of four children. I was left to babysit, so as soon as the door was slammed, I'd go to the gramophone, remove all the ornaments from the top of the gramophone, lift the lid up, move it from 45 down to 33 and start playing some music. And um, that's when I first discovered an album called Ace of Hearts by Buddy Holly. Uh-huh. And um, I went, wow, what's this all about then? You know, and um, played that album constantly, backwards and forwards, and I went, right. Uh, and that was it. The rest is history. And the track we're going to have, Chris? Rave On. guest all this week on my tunes is chris carr a man behind the deep south music festival and lots more but before we get him started on that chris i want to talk about coventry and i want to talk about the music scene that you saw developing there because as you say when you went back it was very much well being rebuilt really yes uh, Coventry notoriously was uh, rebuilt after the Second World War. It was blitzed horrendously, and, it, and it's still to this day, it's always a big weekend, and um, and rightly so. But it was built up from rubble. It was built up from nothing. Um, Winston Churchill went round and revisited and pat everyone on the back how they suffered with that. But So, yes, it came through all that and reborn itself and remodelled itself to what we know it now. And the music scene sort of grew... I suppose, really, late 60s, 70s? Definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. On the back of, um, I think it was immigration, trying to build up employment and people and looking for people to do work and stuff like that. The scar theme, the two-tone theme was born on the back of all that. And did you get to see some of those bands? The automatics that were known as in the day would later be be called uh, specials, a.k.a. Every, most pubs, most pubs on a Saturday night, Sunday night, these guys were learning their trade. And um, at them times, and we didn't know they were going to be the famous band that they 
turned into. And I know you said earlier on that you don't have a, a musical bone for playing and singing yourself, but uh, have you tried? Yes. Um, I went into what well, we lived in Coventry. I went into cash generators and um, I bought uh, an old Yamaha acoustic guitar and I thought, right, I'm going to learn how to play this. And I've actually picked it up now till COVID uh, just recently. And I can actually play a tune now. I, I do watercolours for my sins as well. So I always say to anybody when I'm doing watercolours, if you can make out what I've painted, great, I've achieved something. I can actually play a tune now. I can play Man on the Moon by R.E.M. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, well, we'll have a bit of REM later in the week. Well, we've got to go back to Coventry again and talk about the specials because they were such a powerful force, weren't they? Listen, um, it's just if, if you listen to the words and the lyrics, then I was at an age there where political persuasion you could be persuaded by what bands were selling and the messages that were coming through. And obviously, it was a big time then Margaret Thatcher uh, and people striking. There was lots of issues going on around the country at that time. So, um, the specials were very influential. I was a young lad, you know, we had a bit of attitude about us and we had a message, we had a voice to be said, and, and it just fell in line nicely with all that. So what track are we going to have? We're going to have Gangsters, Specials, a.k.a.
think it's time I got my wonderful guest, Chris Carr, out of Coventry, metaphorically speaking, and into the Isle of Man. Now, having been born here, was it something on your mind, Chris, that you might one day return? Tell me how it all happened. Okay, for those who don't know me, I just thought this place was magical. I just love every inch of the Isle of Man. So, um, having not lived in, now living in Coventry, growing up, and I, I got married, we started, we had our children, I started bringing them to the Isle of Man, and just coming in on that ferry, just seeing the promenade in the distance, it's just like, it was like Disneyland, it was just like Hollywood, and it was just a big passion in my life. And so, I knew one day, in my own heart, we'd come and live here, which we eventually did in 2009, we sold up, and and made the move. And what did you do for employment when you came over? Look, well, at that time then, I, I used to work for Citizens Advice Bureau in Coventry. So coming across the Isle of Man, it was a completely different culture. So for a couple of years, we just treaded water, uh, and my wife set up the first pound stall in Douglas Market. Oh, my goodness, did you? Yes, so, yes. Um, at, at that time, Coventry was, well, Birmingham, Liverpool, everyone had a pound stall, but the Isle of Man didn't have one. We had... Um, David Cretney's place, Mooch's. Yeah. And okay, so we had that there. So no, ours were just going to be a pound. So we opened up a pound store. This is a nice story, actually, Mark, because it led, leads to music. That The fact that it was the worst market in the world, Douglas Market, for whatever reason, nobody went in there. So we had all these pound things for sale, but nobody was coming in. So we got onto Douglas Partnership and we said, listen, uh, people are not coming in. So what do you suggest? I said, well, what about do some street markets outside on the North Quay uh, and see if we can start? And, and from there, we put our music with it as well. And it was along them lines, someone said to me, why don't you have a go at music? And I went, okay, maybe not now, but maybe later on. And, and that's where it all sort of derived from. So that's when the music lights came on in terms of running, running festivals. True. Now, people might not know, but running a festival is... <laughs> It's like trying to run a wedding, a christening, a uh, bar mitzvah, and a funeral all at the same time. <laughs> I mean, is that fair? It's a, it's a nightmare, isn't it, it? Without a shadow of a doubt, because for six months, you're, you're physically, mentally, you're wired up, you're switched on, allowing for any eventuality. And even then, when you get to that day, to that weekend, if him above decides this ain't going to happen, it's not going to happen, okay? You're in the lap of the gods. It must be... A little bit easier in somewhere like southern France or Spain, where you might well be guaranteed yes. dry weather, even if not blistering hot. You might it might not rain. Uh, there was two points of contact every year before the festival. Okay, so six months before the, the festival, we'd pick some dates where we thought that might give us a chance. Then I would start talking to Ronald's Way Airport and look at the weather forecast, long-time weather forecast. Then we'd start talking to farmers. And farmers used to say to me, Chris, let me tell you now, that cloud there, that bridge is to the left, we're all... You know, mm, in mm. Spanard. Yeah. So even the farmers couldn't dictate what, how the weather was going to do. So it was always fingers crossed because the weather could make or break them. And choosing the artists who appear, obviously you've got budgetary situations. You've also got, um, are you just catering for an Isle of Man audience or are you after people coming across? Tell me, which is it? Is it people here or are you trying to attract extras from across? At the beginning, I went to the people who knew. I'd, I've never been to a festival on the Isle of Man. All I knew was Cadiver Festival, and, and that was the model, the format, to which we based ours at Deep South. But I'd never been to Manifest. I'd never been to Dark Horse or, or the other festivals. So we're just based on what I knew and going with that model and going with that format. Now, 
when you start looking at who we aimed, who was our aimed market, it was always going to be, and, and, and the police, the fire used to laugh at me, said, I want mum and dad to come along, forget about the bills, throw a blanket on the floor, let the children run about, and in the background there's going to be some great music. And, and that was the model from there on in. Um, people used to look at me and laugh at me, but I'm afraid I'm a bit naive like that. And it worked. Yes, it did work. Yes, it did work, yeah. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk an awful lot about the bands you've had, the bands you haven't had yet, and where we might go in the future. But I think I'd better take you back, a little bit back to uh, England for our this uh, particular musical choice. For this song and this album, I was now where we were all had a voice, we all had an attitude, we all had like a, we were starting to get aware of political influences and we, we sort of said, right, that's the way, that's not the way. This band had an album called Signing Off, uh, which was mimicked like um, an unemployment card of the day. Uh, and I listened to this and, and, and every song on the album had a message uh, and I've gone for a song there called King. And it's UB40. UB40, yes.
the Deep South Festival. I can do that even deeper. The Deep South Festival. No, not Alabama. It's here in the Isle of Man. It has been for 10 years, and the man behind it is Chris Carr, and he is my Mike Tunes guest all this week. We've travelled around a bit. We started here. We went over to Coventry and, and then backed over here. Chris, the bands that you've booked, I mean, you've, you've had some amazing acts. It sort of spiralled. It's like everything else. Originally, it was about grassroots music. And um, Deep South, our motto is to try and give a band or an artist a leg up just to make sure that the world knows who these guys are. Um, but it sort of got, it, it ran out of contention the third, maybe the third, second or third year. He said, we need a name. We need a name now for that big Saturday night gig and whatnot. And I said, well, OK, I think we've got some names here, but we need to sell tickets. Marketing. And, and being able to get people to the gates is not my forte, okay? Uh, for anybody who knows me, I, I couldn't even spell marketing. But we needed to sell tickets, get people in there, and names actually do that. So the, the first year we had Simon Townsend, brother of Pete. And uh, again, that was through Kevin's uh, contacts. That's Kevin uh, Madigan. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Madigan, yeah. And that went really, really well. I went, okay. So I'd also looked to other events on the Isle of Man. I went, okay, right, we... Yeah, you have to make sure you do your research. Otherwise, you're going to start tripping over and make the same mistakes that's gone before you. So um, we could throw billions at this. I haven't got billions, but we could throw billions at this and still get it wrong. So let's just let's just piecemeal this. Let's just walk through this, okay? So gradually speaking, so Simon Townsend the first year. The following year, we had China Crisis and the Christians Saturday night and Sunday night. And that, that worked really well as well. Now... Not knowing this, but these guys have played the Alaman lots of times before I'd moved here. So I didn't know what had gone before us. But what I did know was that these were two big established 80s bands. Yeah. yeah. And it worked. And it worked, yeah. Yeah. Who says no to you? Who who haven't you got yet that you're thinking, oh, no, why can't I nail these? Who have you tried and they haven't come? Uh, the Waterboys. Oh, really? Yes. Mike Scott. Yes. He's a funny person. Yes. I've met him, you know. Have you? Yeah. Okay, lovely. <laughs> He's very, I tried to interview him twice. <laughs> I never got the interview. No. 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 Um, yeah, they, they, they were quite contrary. Of all the people we've talked to and the agents and, that, and the people in the middle and whatnot, the water boys we thought we had and then we didn't have. No. And I went, oh, okay, well, that would have been nice. Um, I always listen to people around me and say, who would you like to see here? Who would you like to see on the other man? And not necessarily because I like them, but the water boys ticked all the boxes. Lovely records, don't get me wrong, yes, and yes. I've seen them play. They have been to the Isle I think he has been to the Isle Could have been, yeah. I think yeah. so. <clears throat> anyway, anybody else slip through your fingers? No. Uh, oh, good man. No, no. Uh, obviously, you have to look at budgets. You have to, it's changed now since COVID. I'm sure that they got everyone up there now booking at Villa Hall and all the big stuff of the island. It's changed now since COVID where you only have to look at buying a pint of milk now and a loaf of bread from what it was two, three years ago. And the whole concept has changed. So the music scene per se, it's uh, people are playing catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's focus on this coming year. Okay. Give, give me all the exciting news that you can. Okay. What, what, what's happening? Because there's loads happening. It's not just the festival. It's up. You've got things on the beach and you've got all that stuff. Tell us what's going on, Chris. Okay, right. We start off in, again, in 12 months ago, we uh, I was on Christie's show, I believe it was, that um, we want to produce the next David Knowles. Now, he's an absolute star in the Isle of Man. Everyone loved David Knowles. But 
with my football background, there has to be more out there. So we need to reproduce another one and then another one. That's what happens in football, OK? Yeah. Um, and same as Mark Cavendish. So we did a, an unplugged Deep South, started 10 months ago. For whatever reason, it's coming to its final now on Friday, May the 12th. And we're going to be at Mike Wade's place at Black Dog Oven. Uh, and we'll have the final there of... of Bands and artists doing their own stuff. Stuff chances they don't normally get a chance to to show that off. So that's wonderful. Then obviously we're on to T T twenty three and the Beast, the monster that is, and we've got ten nights there of non-stop music on the beach. In between all that, we'll have the Beach Festival, a three-day event, which the Whiskey Boys will be headlining on the Sunday. Oh, be still, my beating heart. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Best and I will do our level best in our shorts, flip-flops and funny hats. We'll do our best to entertain you. And on top of all that, we'll have Porter and TT Day, which is Monday, the 5th of June, I believe. So, in between, that's going to be 12 weeks, 14 weeks of music, end to end, down south. Beautiful. And we're all looking forward to it. And it's always a great, great time. And you're going to keep going. You're not stopping. No, I think COVID taught us anything else now that um, we were all locked up for what one, two years. We need to appreciate it. We need to appreciate what we've got here. And there's nothing more better than being down on that beach with good friends, good family, listening to great music, having a glass of Prosecco. Life, you don't need to go and look and wonder if the grass is greener. The answers are here. Chris, it's been a brilliant week. Thank you for coming on my tunes. Listen, it's a privilege as always mine, Mark. Thanks very much for having us. Hey.
Chris Carr, thank you for joining me on my tunes. I'm Mark Tiley. Don't forget to join me for the morning show whenever you can, 9.30 to 12. And keep coming back here to manxradio.com because there are new podcasts popping up every single day.